You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Leviticus chapter number 16. I'm going to read a lengthy portion of Scripture, and so because of the length of the text, I'm not going to ask you to stand. Uh, But I want to begin reading in verse number 1, Leviticus chapter 16 and verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord and died. The Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering, a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and shall be girded with a linen girdle, and with a linen miter shall he be attired. These are holy garments, therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and shall put them on. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two two kids of the goats for a sin offering, and one ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord, the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell, and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. And he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord, its hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And he shall put in the incense upon the fire... Uh, before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. And he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle the blood uh, of the blood with his finger seven times. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, because of their transgressions and all their sins. So shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. And there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make an atonement into the holy place until he come out and have made an atonement for himself and for his household and for all the congregation of Israel." And he shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord, and make an atonement for it. He shall take of the blood of the bullock, and the blood of the goat, put it on the horns of the altar round about. And he shall sprinkle of the blood upon it with his finger seven times, and cleanse it, and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. And when he hath made an end of reconciling the holy place, and the tabernacle of the congregation, and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let the goat go in the wilderness. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege to be in your house this morning. Thank you for the fellowship. 
Thank you for the opportunity to lift our voices and sing praise unto you. Lord, we thank you for the testimony of many in this place who have continued faithful for decade after decade, just been faithful in the place where you've appointed them. And I pray your blessing might be upon them. I pray that you would continue to bless this work and may it prosper and grow until you come again. Now, Lord, for this uh, hour of preaching, I pray that you would speak to our hearts for just a little while. May we give you our undivided attention. May we listen with careful ears and open hearts, and then may we respond with obedience to that which you say to us. Have your will and way. We'll thank you for it, for we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Today our reading comes here from the book of Leviticus, one of those five books of the law. And as believers, we can often be guilty of ignoring passages of Scripture simply because we regard them as not pertaining to us. Uh, We look at the law and especially many of these Old Testament rituals and we assume that because we're living in a different dispensation, because we're not Jews, that this is irrelevant uh, concerning us. But tragically, when we have such an attitude, we often rob ourselves of the help and the joy that such a passage can bring to us. We always have to remember that while all of the Bible was not written to me, it was all written for me. And so there is something I can learn. Paul said that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. If I take Paul at his word, written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, then I must, by default, understand that this passage of Scripture is profitable to me in some fashion. In these pages of Old Testament law, we often find in types and shadows a New Testament truth which will later be made known or manifest. Many times in these Jewish rituals and regulations, there was hidden away the promise of a coming Savior who would provide deliverance from the shackles of sin. And in our text, we have one of these Old Testament rituals which foreshadows a glorious New Testament truth. Uh, This chapter sets before us the activities of the nation of Israel on this special occasion called the Day of Atonement. Now, according to chapter 16 and verse number 34, this took place on an annual basis, once a year, were they to undergo this ritual and perform all the aspects of it. And the events of this momentous occasion could be summarized with three words, condemnation, emancipation, and anticipation. The Really, as we consider our text, I, I hope that the Lord will help us to see its relevance and its application in our own lives. And as we look at this matter, we're going to do it by looking at some particular parties who were involved on this Day of Atonement. Now we begin with the word condemnation. When we look at the word condemnation, we're going to look at it through the lens of what I call the failed ones. On this Day of Atonement, the first party that must be considered are the failed ones. Those who had failed to perfectly keep the law the previous year. Let's note first of all who they were. In verse number 15 we read, Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people. Verse number 16, And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel. And so first of all, all of the people in Israel 
were indicted. They were all found guilty. In fact, there was not one of them who could honestly step forward and proclaim with perfect assurance, I have totally kept every aspect of the law this past year. Every one of them failed. Some failed in large measure, some failed in fall, uh, small measure, but all were failures. Uh, by the way, it was not just the people, but even the very priest himself uh, was responsible. Verse number 6, And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. In other words, even the most spiritual man in the community the leader of the religion, their high priest Aaron, the brother of Moses, he himself was guilty of failing to obey every aspect of the law. And by the way, that is applicable to you and I today. In fact, there is none in this room who has perfectly kept the law of God. Some have made a more valiant effort than others. Some have come closer than others. But we have all failed in some measure. Paul says this in Romans chapter 3, What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. He'll say later on in that chapter, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It does not matter if we have failed in a large measure or if we have failed in a small measure. We have all failed and come short of God's mark of absolute perfection. Now notice not just who they were, but notice what they had done. The Bible gives us a description of what these people had done that had marked them as failures concerning the law of God. Verse number 21, he said, And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in all their sins. Three different words that Moses gives us to describe what they have done. He uses the word iniquities. That has to do with perversities or moral evil or mischief. In other words, it was their wickedness. And the problem is the reason we sin is because we have a wicked heart lying within us. Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And we, the, the truth of it is we are not sinners because we sin, but rather we sin because we are sinners. And so uh, their wickedness was emphasized. Not only does he use the word iniquity, he uses the word transgressions. The word transgression has to do with revolt or rebellion. He highlights their willfulness. Uh, in fact, Isaiah put it very well when he said this, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Have you ever noticed how rebellious we really are on the inside? We really do not care about doing a particular activity until it becomes forbidden. And then we have a great interest in it. I was reading the story the other day about a teacher who was teaching fifth and sixth grade boys. And she finally became so frustrated uh, that she told them, she said, that's enough. I don't want to hear any more. I don't want to hear another peep out of you. About 10 seconds passed, and from the back row, she heard softly, peep. Now, what fifth or sixth grade boy is going to say peep? That's not in their vocabulary. That's not in their interest. Until what? The teacher says, I don't want to hear another peep out of you. And all of a sudden, they have a great desire to say the word peep. 
Can I say that's the way we are? Whatever is forbidden, whatever is outside the bounds of what is accepted or what is permissible, somehow or another because of our rebellious hearts, we have a great desire and interest in that thing. He calls their iniquities. He calls their sin, uh, their transgressions. And then he uses the word sins. And the word sins has to do with offenses or violation of the social or moral code or that which would displease. In other words, their waywardness. Uh, Paul said they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Shall we note who they were, what they had done? But notice the wages of their deeds, the consequences of what they had done. Verse number five, uh, verse number 11. Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. Verse number 15, then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people. Realize the consequences were the same for the priest and the people. The wages of sin is always death. He had to kill the bullock. He had to kill the goat. It did not matter who it was for. The penalty was same. Thus, it brings us to the word condemnation. They had been tested. They had been tried. They had been found guilty. And the truth of it is we all stand in that place of condemnation for there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And if that were the end of this day, that would be a tragic place indeed. But that's not the end of the story because while there were failed ones who represent the fact of condemnation, uh, we can also consider what we call the furnished ones. Notice in verse number 5, He shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. The failed ones had earned death by their failure. But the furnished ones were substitutes provided to pay their penalty. Now notice in this verse that there were provided two goats for the congregation of the children of Israel. And I'm interested in particular in these two goats. Now if we were to take time down at verse number 8, you'll find that there, was a, uh, there were lots cast as to determine uh, which part each of these goats would play. One of these goats would be a goat for sin's remission. That word remission has to do with forgiveness or pardon or removal of its penalty. And that goat was offered as a sin offering. Verse number 15, then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people. Uh, that goat's life had to be taken from him. Uh, that goat, uh, his throat was slit and the blood was gathered in a basin and you'll find in the Bible that always as a result of sin, there must be blood shed. For the wages of sin is death. Uh, the writer of Hebrews said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no forgiveness. And so that goat would lay down its life. It would pay the penalty that was earned by the failed ones. But then not only was there a goat for sin's remission, According to verses 21 and 22, there was a goat for sin's removal. Now, the one goat had paid the price, but Israel still, in a sense, were encumbered with the burden of their sin. Now, notice what happens. The Bible says in verse 21, Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel, all their transgressions, all their sins, 
putting them on the head of the goat. In other words, Israel in type and picture, they were transferring all of their guilt and placing it on the head of this other goat, not the one who had been slain, but on the goat who was alive. Now, the truth of it is, that's exactly what Christ did for us. When Christ came and suffered on the cross, He paid our penalty. He died our death. The wages of sin is death. Every one of us have sinned, and because of sin, we're under eternal condemnation. But Christ came, and in Himself, He took our penalty and paid the price for us on the cross of Calvary. But He did more than just pay the price of our sin. He also took our sin away from us. Our sin was transferred to Him and He bore it all for us. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 44, 22, He said, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions. I like Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number 34, For the Lord said, I will remember their sin no more. Now, you know, there is a difference between not remembering our sin and forgetting our sin. We use these terms interchangeably and we use them as synonyms, but they're not exactly synonymous. And we do that a lot in our English language. To be technically correct, God never says that He will forget our sin. You know why? Because forgetfulness is a, an act of human frailty. You never forget something on purpose. You do it by accident. I, our tour guys are great forgetters. Uh, they've forgotten suits. They've forgotten water bottles. They've forgotten watches. They've forgotten other things. On the, We've got a trail of debris following us across the country. Uh, you know, if somebody could come along behind us, we would empty one trailer and they'd fill the other one up, uh, packing our stuff. Uh, but they don't do it on, on purpose. They never set out and say, you know, today I'm going to remember to leave something here. No, it's an, act, it's an act of human. And by the way, God is neither human nor frail. And God never forgets anything. But here's what God does say. He says, I will not remember. You know what remembrance is, don't you? Remembrance is a deliberate act whereby you pull something from the past and bring it into the present. I'm going to remember to pick up my keys. I'm going to go back where I left my keys. I'm going to pick them up and I'm going to bring them with me into the present location that I am. It's always a deliberate act. Here's what God says. God says, once your sin is confessed, once it's forsaken, once it's taken care of, I will never go back in the past and bring it up and hold it against you. Praise God that He does not remember our sin. He deliberately chooses not to bring it up into the present. And forgiveness, by the way, that's why we struggle with forgiveness. You know what forgiveness is? Forgiveness is a promise never to bring it up again and hold it against the other party. And the reason we don't want to forgive is because then we lose our power to manipulate someone. Because if I can bring up a failure that you had in the past and hold it against you today, hopefully I can manipulate you to do what I want you to do. Can I say God is not a manipulator? He doesn't want to manipulate us to do. God wants us to do what we do because we love Him and because we want to serve Him. And by the way, when we forgive, we put it in the past never to bring it up against them again. That brings us to the word emancipation. 
You see, now these people, because of what was done, these people had once been under condemnation, but now that condemnation was removed and they were set free from the penalty of their sin because of the sacrifice offered on their behalf. Very quickly, let me give you the third word, not only condemnation, not only emancipation, but the third word is the word anticipation. Now I'm interested in a third party that's involved in this uh, ceremony on the Day of Atonement. We talked about the failed ones and how they had messed up. We talked about the furnished ones and how they had supplied and taken the place, paid the penalty, carried away the sin that belonged to those who were a failure. But then in verse number 21, we find a third character, and he is the fit one. Notice verse number 21, Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat, confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel, all their transgressions, all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. You know this is the only place in the Bible this fit man is mentioned. We don't know a name. We're not told of any of his background or any of his information. All we know is the Bible describes him as a fit man. We can certainly make some conjectures about him. He must have been a righteous man. For who else would be considered to be fit to carry on such an important task? He must certainly have been a reliable man because he must be depended upon to do the job and to do it right and to do it completely. He must have been a ready man, ready to shoulder the load and carry the responsibility and he will have to go alone into the wilderness and is a great task and a great responsibility laid upon this fit man. Now I want to give you the process very quickly. You read Jewish writings and they will tell you exactly how the process was gone through in the days uh, of Israel's past on the Day of Atonement. Uh, they, Aaron would come out, he would take this goat that was uh, the scapegoat. He would lay his hands upon the head of that goat, confess over them the transgressions, the iniquities and the sins of the people of Israel. Can you imagine what an awful sound that must have been? Think about your own life, all the sins you've committed for the last year. And imagine if someone had to out loud begin to verbalize those sins. Now multiply that by all the people of Israel. The lies, the hatred, uh, the theft, uh, the evil speaking, the gossip. Can you imagine how awful that must have sounded as Aaron puts his hands upon that goat and begins to confess over his, sin, uh, his head all the sins of the people of Israel? Now they would take that goat, they would take that goat, they would give its uh, leash into the hands of the fit man, and in the other hand, he would have a bucket that contained blood from the goat that had been slain. He would start out on his journey to the wilderness, but he did not go alone. He was accompanied by an entourage of followers, other men. They would go up to the top of the hill that was closest to the camp of Israel. And as he went down over the hill, out of sight over the hill, he would leave behind on the top of that hill one of those members of that entourage. He would continue on as he came to the next little mountain or hill. He would climb to the top. And again, he would leave a person behind on the top of that. So literally from the camp of Israel, they could see a man on the top of the hill closest to them. The man on the top of that hill could see a man on the next hill, the man on that hill, so on and so forth, all the way till they come to the edge of the wilderness and the last man would remain on that last hilltop and he would watch as the fit man and the goat continued on into the wilderness. He would watch as those figures grew smaller and smaller and smaller until they finally disappeared from sight. 
When they disappeared from sight, he would sign to the man on the next hill, the goat is gone. And the message would be carried from hilltop to hilltop all the way back to the camp of Israel. And that last man on the last hill would sign back to Israel, the goat is gone. And the community would begin to rejoice and shout for the goat was gone. Their sins were carried away. Could I just say to you, one day I came to an altar and I knelt and I confessed my sin to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I got up, I didn't know it, but the goat was gone. I'm glad that my sins were gone. You ask me why I'm happy. I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone and if you're here this morning you've never experienced that today could be the day that you experience emancipation and your sins be carried away but that wasn't the end of the story that fit man would take that goat out into the wilderness he had to abandon him he had to uh, cause him to be left there and he would take the leash off and he'd get that goat distracted browsing or something and then the fit man would begin to retrace his steps but when he retraced his steps he would take that bucket of blood and he would sprinkle his trail with blood because that blood would disguise his scent. The goat could not follow him back and the goat would shy away because of the smell of blood. And so the goat would not, can I just say, I'm glad my sins have not only been carried away, but I don't have to worry about them coming back because the blood of Jesus Christ is the thing that keeps those sins from being called up against me again. Now that man would begin to make his way back he has no, no goat anymore. It's just himself. And the fit man is coming. The man on the last mountaintop would continue to peer into the wilderness. Once he had sent that message that the goat is gone, he continued to peer into the wilderness and watch. All of a sudden, he'd see a figure. He began to watch intently as it grew bigger and bigger until he could finally assuredly distinguish that it was the fit man. As soon as he recognized it was the fit man, he would turn and sign back to the man on the next mountaintop. The fit man is on his way. And the muse would be continued and carried from mountaintop to mountaintop until he came to the camp of Israel. The fit man is on his way. And could I just say to you this morning, they did not know how close he was. They did not know how long it would be before he would appear. They just knew that the mission had been accomplished and he was on his way. And can I tell you this morning, the fit man is on his way. The king is coming. I don't know, it may be today, it may be tomorrow, it may be next week, it may be next month, it may be next year. I don't know how close he is, but I got news from heaven this morning that the fit man is on his way. And for them, that was the word anticipation. And can I say for us, there is anticipation for Jesus is coming again. Let me ask you this morning, where are you at? Are you under condemnation? Not knowing your sins are forgiven? Guilty before God? I've got good news for you. You don't have to stay there today. This could be the day that you move from condemnation to emancipation. Realizing that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this world, lived a sinless, perfect life, and willingly laid His life down on the cross of Calvary as the payment for your sin and for the sins of every man, woman, boy, and girl who ever lived. And if you will call upon Him in faith believing, He will save you and wash your sins away. Maybe you've done that this morning. You say, I've moved from condemnation to emancipation. Let me ask you, are you living in anticipation? For Jesus may come today. And we want to live in such a way so that when He comes, we can hear Him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. 
For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.